So great to be with you this morning. I just love Christmas. There's something amazing about the whole world stopping to celebrate Jesus. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, that all of history is divided into two parts around this birth. It's like whether, whether nations even believe in Jesus or not, the entire uh, dating system revolves around him. It's like the impact of this birth is monumental. The whole world, whether they like it or not, whether they know him or not, whether they understand it or not, actually celebrates to some degree this enormous event, which was the birth of Jesus Christ. Lord God, we come to you and we want to celebrate. Lord God, we want to acknowledge that so much more than just giving presents and having a big feast. We want to celebrate your birth, Lord God. We, we want to know that not only are we celebrating your birth, Lord God, but there's something that is changing in our life because of it. There's something new in the world because of that, that we are part of a revolution that cannot be stopped, Lord. And Father God, I ask that the faith would grow in our hearts to understand this, to know this, and to move in this. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. I want to just highlight to all the parents that we do actually have children's church during this time, even though our official children's church isn't operating. Our pastors have offered to weekly take on the task of looking after your children. So Mike and Bianca, can we give them a hand? They're not here because they are in children's church. And if you have children here that you would like to uh, be in children's church, they're very welcome to go up there. It's going to be a super duper time. If you've ever seen Mike with children, it's absolutely an amazing thing. So, um, and I'm pretty sure Bianca's the same, so they can have some fun time up there. And next week, Andrew and I will be on children's church. Pray for us. Pray for us. We're going to do it fantastically. It's going to be wonderful. But um, we will be continuing to run children's church through the, the holiday season. So we started last week a series called Warrior Child. And really, we, we're talking about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, but that he was born for war. That although he's a, he's a king who brings peace into everyone's heart, that, that actually he, he brings a revolutionary peace that is more than just we don't fight. It's, a, it's an invading kind of presence that sets up a new world order that is his rule and reign over all creation. And so although he's the Prince of Peace, he also is born for war. That the moment he was born, a war began in which the rule and reign of God becomes unstoppable across all of creation. So we are going to be talking, continuing to talk about that, and today we're going to be looking at another portion of scripture in Luke. Remember last week we looked at how the shepherds were greeted by the angel and they came to announce the birth of Jesus Christ and how God really uses this incredible upside-down kingdom in such a way that he, he chooses the lowly, the meek, the unnoticed in society, like the shepherds of the day to bring the greatest announcement in history and how really he uses you and me in just that way. That no matter who we are, what we think of ourselves, what society even thinks of us, that God has chosen us. And because he chose us, that makes all the difference. The outcome is transformed. 
Today we're going to be looking at another portion from Luke, and we're going to be looking at when the angel came to Mary and let her know that she was going to give birth to the Messiah. I don't know if this feels like a crazy thing to you, but the concept of the virgin's birth has been one of the most, or the virgin birth, should I say, has been one of the most disputed parts of Christian doctrine throughout history. It's been one of the greatest stumbling blocks to Christianity through the ages. And yet, right as God began this giant revolution through his son, Jesus Christ, he chose to do it in a way that would be unmistakably divine. Unmistakably divine. That if you can't, if you can't see the divinity and the supernaturalness in this, then you can't know Jesus. And so we are going to be talking from Luke 1, and you can turn over there, or before you go there, I just, I want to preface it by this. Have you ever, have you ever been playing a game with someone and you were like working really hard to win and you felt like you were making progress and that perhaps you would be the victor at the end and then halfway through the game, the person changed the rules. Have you ever, have you ever had that happen to you? I grew up with a sister that did it all the time. She won every game, not because she was good at it, but because she was really fast at thinking of new rules. And just as I was about to win, bam, there was a new rule. And I was like in last place all over again. You know, sometimes I think the birth of Jesus was like this for the devil. You know, I think, I feel like to some degree, he, he really felt like he was winning. He felt like he was playing the game. And he was getting it all right. And then bam, into history came Jesus. And suddenly everything was turned upside down and all the victories he thought he'd won suddenly became his defeats. The rules were changed and suddenly God was on top and he didn't even know what had happened. A little while ago, I made a trip to a certain country that will remain nameless as you will see why as I tell the story. But I made a trip to this, this country and they served us all this different kind of food and it was so interesting and nice. But I noticed every time they gave us food, they gave us two implements, a fork and a spoon. Now I want to ask you this, have you ever tried cutting steak with a spoon? They do it in this country. Really, I, you know, I felt like saying to them, I would like to help you with your definition of these utensils. You know, this, this thing with the scoop is for ice cream. You need something with a sharp edge for the steak. You know, it's almost like, and the, the reason I'm saying it's, uh, I'm keeping them nameless because they love the way they do it. You know, they think it's absolutely marvelous, so I don't want to in any way throw aspersions on their way of doing it because, you know, different is not wrong. But, but it's almost like when I went there, I had to learn a new definition of these tools, a new understanding of how they were used. I asked them while I was sitting at the table, so when you serve me ice cream later, am I going to eat it with a fork? <laughs> they, they were a little bit horrified. They didn't go that far. But, but what, I guess what I, I want to say is that you know, the, the definition of the things we use around us are very much determined by our culture. And I want to take it one step further and say, the way you see yourself, the way you define yourself is very much determined by the culture in which you grow up in. And part of our walk with God is that he wants to invade your consciousness, invade your thinking, thinking, invade your life in such a way that your understanding of who you are 
is transformed. Your understanding of, of what you are meant to do, your usefulness to him, your function, the way you are meant to relate to people is transformed by that interaction. And as we read the story, you're going to see how God just did this. He overturned the rules and he redefined the people. And really, when we look at Jesus coming, those are the two magnificent things he did. He put the weak, the meek, the downtrodden right on top. And he looked into your and my soul and he redefined us. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to Luke 1 from verse 26. And it says this, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. I homeschooled my children for a while, and sometimes we had to mix paint and we had to do all those things that we do in, you know, that children do in kindergarten, etc. They involve lots of color and lots of mess. It was super fun, but um, a little bit of a crazy time. But I remember. Uh, at times having to mix paint or um, color water for various experiments or things we were doing. And if you take a jar of water and you drop food coloring in that jar of plain water or you drop, drop paint in that, on, in that jar of plain water, what happens is that the ink falls like a blob into the water. And really it's kind of like insignificant in that water in the beginning. It just kind of is like one blob of color in this mass of clearness. But then if you leave it a little while, it begins to swirl around and diffuse. And, and before long, that ink has taken over the entire jar of water. And the whole jar of water is colored, that color. And you know, when I was thinking about the birth of Jesus and this incident where this angel stepped into Mary's reality and changed everything, it felt like this to me. You know, it was, it was one moment, really. This, this interaction with the angel couldn't have taken more than 10, 15 minutes out of her lifetime. And yet, you know, that, that dropping of God's heavenly reality into her life in that moment changed everything. And at that moment, she had no idea 
of where it was going. You know, she, she probably sat there and said, of course I will do what, you, what you're saying. And, you know, there was some confusion in her heart and she just received what the angel had to say. But I doubt whether she had any idea what was coming. At the same time, we spoke about this a little bit last week, but I, I am thrilled by this. Is that at the time she, she was in Nazareth, which is really a very insignificant town in an insignificant nation. Well, not insignificant in history, but insignificant in size in the world. She really was most probably a teenager. In a small fishing community in the middle of nowhere. And God dropped the seed of revolution, the seed of transformation, the seed of his kingdom into her heart, into her mind, and into her body at that moment. And there were probably millions of people around the world who had no idea of the significance of that moment. They were going about their lives, doing their everyday things, and in a small town in Israel, their futures were being transformed without them ever knowing it. Generations to come, their future were being transformed without them ever knowing it. And it speaks to me so much of the nature of God. I would love you to start thinking like this. That in the days when you wake up in the morning and you take out your Bible and you begin to read scriptures. And something you're reading just hits your heart. And it, the revelation of God's goodness or his grace towards you or his power, his majesty hits your heart at that moment. I want to propose to you that it's a similar experience. I want to tell you that there are millions of millions of people around that know, have no idea that an earth-shaking earth moment has happened inside of you. And that if you let that grow into the fullness of what it's meant to be, everything has changed. Yes. That God doesn't do insignificant things. But when he does them, it's hard to almost realize the enormity of what they are. But as you take them, receive them, nurture them, live through them, they become world-changing truths. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just want to thank you that as you touch people's hearts, Lord God, that you're doing a, a good and a, a noble work in everyone's heart, Lord God. Thank you, Father. We're just going to let her have a moment with the Lord. Is that okay? We just bless that. Whatever you're doing, Lord, we just bless that. You know, I wonder for a moment when King David in the Old Testament 
was pronounced king of Israel. You know, it was 14 to 18 years after that he, that he actually became king of Israel. But there was this moment where the prophet came to his family and wanted to anoint the next king of Israel. And he searched through all the brothers and he, and he said, no, that's not here. And they had to call David out from keeping the sheep and call him in and say, put him before the prophet and the prophet pointed to him and said, this will be the next king of Israel. Also, he was probably a teenager. And you know, at that moment, again, billions of people around the world were carrying on their lives as if nothing had happened. And yet, in the heart of a tiny little shepherding community in the middle of nowhere, God was changing the world. And he was changing the world by choosing someone who said yes. You know, I think of Gideon. His family, you can read the story in the book of Judges, his family devastated by marauding invaders. And God steps down into his world and chooses him with these words, mighty warrior, as he's hiding in a wine press. He steps down, and this is where the changing of identity is. You know, he steps down. He doesn't just choose Gideon, but he, he looks into his heart and redefines him. He says, you're not a fork, you're a spoon, or you're not a spoon, you're a knife. This is who you are. You know, I think of the young boy, Joseph, rejected by his family. All his brothers probably uh, teasing him, you know, just being bad brothers to him. And he goes to sleep one night and God steps into his dream and says, you're not the youngest worthless member of this family. You're the one to whom all of your family will bow down. You will lead the nation of Israel through a time that is meant to destroy them. You will lead them into victory and into wholeness and you will preserve them so that they can become the nation that they are meant to be. God steps down into that. A small, insignificant drop. And yet, as these people say yes, everything is changed. And the revelation of what happened there and the truth of what happened begins to diffuse through that person's life, through their communities, through the world, until the world is changed. And we have the glorious and most important one that ever happened in Jesus Christ and in, in the heart of Mary. You know, three things that the angel said to her. He said to her, you are highly favored. He said that the Lord is with you. He said, you have found favor with God. And, you know, at that moment, the Bible says that it really confused Mary. Why did it confuse Mary? Because that had never crossed her mind. And in choosing her, he did far more than just come and speak to her. He redefined her at that moment. You are not an insignificant member of a small fishing community in the north of Israel. You are the chosen one. You're the one who will bear the Messiah. You are the one who will give opportunity for the world to be transformed. I, I feel like I want to say this to each and every one of you. That God is stepping into your world to redefine you. And I, 
I feel like who we believe we are in him will determine whether we can receive all that he wants to give to us. Because she could have turned around and said, no, I'm not highly favored. Do you know who I am? My family is not known anywhere. We are part of a conquered people. Don't call me highly favored. How can you say I'm, you're with me? Nothing is going my way. Have you heard these words coming out of your own mouth from time to time? How can you say these things? She could have rejected all that the angel said. and You know what? In so doing, she would have rejected her destiny. The Messiah would come, but it would not come through her. And there comes a time in all of our lives we must stare Jesus in the face and we must hear his words to us and we must say yes. We must say yes. I, I accept that though I don't feel like the highly favored one, though I don't feel like the, the one who will carry this message, though I don't feel like the one who's going to be used by God, though I don't feel like important, I will receive those words. I will say yes, and I will receive the assignment that you have for me. Jesus I guess he had the same problem with his disciples. You know, I guess they took a long time to work out who they were and who he was. But at one stage in John 15, he says this to them. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And I feel like there's a powerful thing that happens when we hear God speaking to our hearts. And we receive it as truth and as revelation. And what he was saying to them is, the words I have spoken to you about you, about the world, about my kingdom, have actually transformed you. He used the, the analogy of they've made you clean. What have they done? They've, they've wiped away the gunk. They've destroyed the dirt. They've cleaned up and they've made things right. And this is kind of like what, when the angel stepped down and said, highly favored one. This is what was happening. It was the word of God, the truth and the revelation was coming to Mary in such a way that she was being transformed. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like I would also have been greatly troubled at his words. I feel like you know, there's a way in which when we stand before the goodness of God, it troubles that part of our hearts that has been faithless. It troubles that part of our hearts, hearts that has been grumpy. It troubles that part of our hearts that has complained. It troubles the part of the heart that is, has looked for solutions in other places other than God. You remember that story when Peter and Jesus were on the boat and he'd been fishing all night and Jesus told him to fish again and he threw his nets out one more time. And it came up with that huge catch of fish. Remember how you fought with Jesus beforehand? No, I'm the fisherman. I know what's happening. And Jesus finally persuaded him to do it. And then he got this great catch of fish. And what does it say? It says, Peter fell down on his face and said, Depart from me, for I am an evil man. 
Because it's like when the goodness of God is shown to you in all its majesty, there is no choice in our hearts but to say, oh my word, in comparison to that, I am nothing. In comparison to that, oh my word. But at the same time, as we see here, it's not meant to leave you in that place of, ha, ah, I'm so much less than I could be. It's meant to take you to that place where you say, oh, but look what I could be. Look what I could be. And so encounters with God, of course, they trouble us. And they are two things. We can run away or we can say, oh, my word, I could be like that. That is my destiny. These words he's speaking to me, that could be who I can be. And I don't care where you've come from or what you've done or how many failures, failures you've had or how many times you've felt less than the people around you. When the word of God comes to you and tells you who you are, I'm going to tell you, you're going to feel troubled in your heart. But at the same time, I urge you to say, yet God, I will be that because you said so. I will be that because you said so. God's goodness makes us want to be more than we know we are. And God's presence with us forms us into more than we could be without him. So we've looked at the meeting between Mary and the angel. I want to look at the picture that he created for her. He begins to speak about Jesus and he uses these words. He says that this baby that will be born to you will be the son of the Most High. What is so interesting is that that word Most High is a name for God that was the Israelites used it, but also it was a, a name that the Gentiles used for God. So in coming to proclaim Jesus as the son of the Most High to Mary, he was saying two things, that this baby will not only be the king of the Jews, he will be the king of the world. Son of the Most High. He said he would be great. He said that he would rule on the throne of David, that he would reign forever, and that his kingdom will never end. What he was doing is he was painting a picture for a Jewish girl who grew up in Jewish understanding, and they had this idea of this time when God would rule the world through his Messiah. And that everything in all of creation would be subjected to the love and the glory and the majesty of God and would render worship to him. And in saying these words, he was painting a picture for Mary of something so glorious, so far beyond her natural experience. As a young girl in the middle of Israel with a Roman occupying force around her, paying taxes that were bankrupting them, just living a life of subjugation. Here Jesus comes and paints a picture of a victory that's so big, so glorious, so beyond anything that she has ever experienced. And he's not only asking her to receive the gift of the son that would be born to her, he's asking her to receive the gift of vision. The gift of an ability to see beyond her natural experience, her natural environment, to what could be. How many of you have listened to the news lately? I mean, if they tell me about one more corrupt official, I'm just going to throw my phone. 
you know, on News 24, it's like, no, not another one. You know, I'm just like, I'm just, just, it's almost like I can't hear one more. And it's tempting to sit in that quagmire of defeat and say, well, there's no hope. Well, there are no righteous leaders. Well, this is how it's always going to be. What passport can I pull out of the cupboard? <laughs> you know, it would be tempting to think that. But we have a God who is speaking into our hearts. A picture of something so much more than our environment. And I don't care what country you live in. They're experiencing the same thing. Because the devil will be sure to give as much bad news as he can. So that he can trap people in hopelessness. So they won't receive the truth of what God wants to come and bring to their hearts. So they, they won't rise up and move and walk and live and work towards that giant picture of his redemptive purposes all over the earth. A king that will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. The fastest growing religion in the world today is Christianity, despite all that you hear on the news. Christianity in Africa is growing at a rate that is unprecedented. It's the same kind of growth rates as the first century in Europe. God is doing something on the earth today that is unstoppable. He began it with Jesus and he will not stop it. Don't listen to what the enemy is saying. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. Receive the picture of the, the truth of where he's taking this world. Today I was hearing a testimony from someone who's sitting right here in this hall about how a couple of weeks ago he was so hopeless about his situation, couldn't get a job in his field, and it just seemed like it was going nowhere. And today he's come to tell of the great testimony of that God has done it and given him the job of his dreams. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. I mean, these are, these are small drops in the ocean, but they're, they're an example of what happens when we believe. They're an example of what happens when we receive the truth, when we look at the picture and we say, yes. That's where I'm going. That's where we are going. And there may be some battles and then some difficulties on the way. Remember, there was a crucifixion on the way to Jesus taking over the world. You know, I, I, God's not promising plain sailing, no battles, just easy peasy. He's saying, listen, guys, the, the path of this kingdom is through the cross. But if you will go through the cross, if you will make your way, there's a resurrection on the other side. And nothing can hold back that resurrection. There is a world on the other side filled with my glory, filled with my majesty, filled with my power, filled with my solution. In a world that values self-promotion, self-actualization, and self-centeredness, we are called to self-denial and surrender to a king who glorifies himself through us and in so doing glorifies us. Serving him is greatness. Two scriptures that come to my mind is Joel 3.10 that says this, the prophet prophesying to Israel, he said, let the weak say, I am strong. In this upside down kingdom, your weakness is the very thing that God fills with his power. 
2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. That God chooses the lowly, the weak, the ordinary of this world and says, through them I will do it. But of course, there is a process. Mary asked a very valid question. She said, you tell me I'm going to have a baby, but how will this be? Because I haven't known a man. I mean, these are very valid questions. You understand that? There's been no, his, at, up to that point, there's been no history of virgins falling pregnant. So she's asking a very, very valid question. There's not really doubt. She's saying, okay, God, I received this. I want to do it, but how are we going to do this? And these are valid questions to ask. God tells you that he, you know, he wants you to start a business. He wants you to love your family. He wants to see the people in your neighborhood saved. He wants you to um, bring a message through media. He wants you to do something. It's fine to ask him, well, Lord, how are we going to do this? It's fine to get steps and processes from him. The angel answers her and says, the Holy, Holy Spirit, the Holy Shadow, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Remember I said earlier that when we face with the goodness of God, we come to the revelation of our inadequacy, but at the same time we come to the revelation of His glory. And that there is a way in which we see what we can't do, but at the same time we see what he can do. And there is a partnership that happens between him and us. And there's a surrender we have to his glory. To saying, not my way, but your way. Not my plans, but your plans. And in so doing, there's, there's a way that he comes and overshadows us and he becomes part of our lives and he becomes the leader and he becomes the one that takes us through the difficulties. He's the one who gives us the inspiration, the ideas. He's the one who nurtures the dream inside of us. And as we walk hand in hand with him, day by day, we see greater and greater measure of his, the revelation and the manifestation of what he called us to coming to pass. And we walk in the process of being overshadowed by him, being led by him. What I love about the scripture, Andrew actually alluded to it when he was closing worship. And I thought, gosh, my husband is so amazing. I think that a lot. I think that a lot. You know, I'm sorry, I'm just going to stop for a moment and just tell you how great this man is. I want to say this. In my, how many years have we been married, darling? <laughs> in our very many years of marriage. <laughs> I have never seen him lose his temper. Just can we all just say God is good? And I cannot say the same for myself. Thank you, darling, for sticking with me. I really appreciate that. Really appreciate that. So where were we? Sorry for that. Anyway, he was so great to just be talking about the overshadowing the Holy Spirit. But Genesis talks about a similar process right at the beginning of all of creation. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. Does this bring the same kind of picture to you? It should. 
Because this is what the angel was saying is, is that the presence of God is going to overshadow you. He's going to prepare everything in your heart. He's going to make a way. And then he's going to speak creative life into you. Let there be light. Let there be a sun. He's going to hover over you and say, let there be grace. Let there be love. Let there be life. Let there be healing. Let there be truth. Let there be restoration. Let there be reconciliation. Let there be a job. <laughs> This is the way the living God does it. He comes and partners with you, prepares the, the fields, the soil of your heart, and then he drops the seed of his word in there, and then he watches over it, and it doesn't stop growing until it comes to its full fruit. Yeah, and so I guess my message to you is don't stop walking. Hear the word receive the Spirit, live in relationship with Him, and just keep walking. Yeah. Obey His Word. Turn when He says turn. Go left when He says left. Love when He says love. Pray when He says pray. Um, stand up and be counted when He says stand up and be counted. Speak when He says speak. Be silent when He says silent. To and follow His lead. And there is no end to the increase of his kingdom in you and through you. In conclusion, God is meeting you, God is meeting with you in order to call out the greatness in you. In the process, you become part of his great picture to bring his rule and reign on earth. Amen. Amen. Yes, give the Lord a hand. Lord Jesus. We want to thank you for your goodness. Lord God, day in and day out, we are absolutely floored by the magnitude and the glory and the magnificence of your goodness, Lord. Just when we thought we understood you, you come and reveal more and we are just again overwhelmed by how good you are. Lord God, is it possible that, that you could be this good? And Lord, I, I want to pray that as we, we are in this moment, there are people here, Lord God, who are discouraged. There are people here who have believed what culture has told them, what the environments have told them. And right now they need to hear from you who they are in you. And so, Lord, I'm asking, as we hear, would you remind them? Would you remind them? That they are the favored ones. They are the called out ones. That though they are weak, they, they can proclaim, I am strong because you are with them. Lord God, there are those of the here that are, are battling with a feeling of poverty. And I just want to speak to those people and I want to say right now to you, no. That's not who you are. You're not a poor person. You are a, you are a prosperous person. Where you go, resources follow. Where you go, innovation happens. Where you go, increase comes. I want to speak to those right now who are feeling like my body is just broken, that I'm, I'm sick and I, this, is, this is my portion. And I want to speak to you and say, that's not who you are. You are strong. You are whole. The kingdom of God is with you. He is uplifting you. He's empowering you. He is making you great. 
There are those of you who have experienced rejection and belittling. And I want to speak to your hearts and say that's not who you are. The Spirit of the living God is saying right now to you, you are the leaders of my kingdom. You are the bringers of my truth. You are my strong ones. You are my mighty leaders. You are the godly ones in whom is all my delight. I know there are some here who've experienced mental illness and difficulties with depression. I'm speaking to your heart right now, the word of the Lord. That's not who you are. You are joy bringers, joy carriers, life deliverers. That's who you are. You are carrying a message that is unstoppable. You're alive with the presence and the glory of God. That things around you are confirming the goodness of God on a daily basis. This is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. Lord, and we say, we stand with all of creation and we say yes. Lord God, we say yes. We say yes. We say yes. Lord God, though we don't feel like that, we say yes. We say yes. We say yes. And we receive your spirit to hover over us, to, to overwhelm us, to teach us, to lead us, to birth in us that what, which was there, not there before. Lord. Lord, to lead us into a greatness that we don't have on our own, to make us into who you meant us to be, Lord. And Father God, we say yes. We say yes. We say yes. Thank you, Lord. Lead us, lead us, lead us. And Lord, not only that, but we say yes to the picture. Lord God, we say we won't stop till what's on your heart is on earth. Until what's in your, or your, what was in your imagination or your thinking when you dropped Jesus onto this earth. Until that is manifested in every place. Lord God, we refuse poverty. We refuse conflict. We refuse anguish. We refuse pain. We refuse suffering. We say we are the bringers of a kingdom that will transform the world. And we will not stop till we see it. We're just as caring. We are deliverers of the oppressed. We carry a might and an authority with us that the kingdoms of the enemy must bow before. And when we walk into arenas, when we walk into families, when we walk into downtrodden places, when we walk into broken relationships, when we walk, walk next to hurting people, things must change. Things must change. So, Father, we thank you for this. And again, we say yes. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes. Lord, would you bless every person here? Lord God, would you deliver us all from our small thinking? Would you show us the revelation of your kingdom and your truth? Would you deliver us from the lies of the enemy? Would you deliver us from ourselves? Would you cause your greatness to flow in us, to be seen in us? We are a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? 
Come on, what isn't church good? <laughs> I just feel that pleasure of God all over you. There is stuff awaiting for you today that this message was necessary. That as you face it, you are going to see radical change today, tomorrow, and every day. Amen and amen.